Good afternoon, Dave. How are you doing? I'm grand, Cal. How are you? Yeah, good. Very formal uh, introduction there. Good afternoon. Yeah, I feel it's uh, I feel it's a good day. The rain stopped and the sun is trying to poke out there. So yeah, the day is <laughs> brightening up for sure. Yeah, I could have done with a drier morning this morning. I was at a client's house this morning and I got uh, drenched. Ah. Because I forgot to take a, a waterproof coat with me or an umbrella. <laughs> um, because I looked at the forecast and it was fine. But we're in Scotland, so I should have known better. I hope the client was uh, polite enough to lend you an umbrella or some waterproofs. He, he gave me a cap. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a bit of a size difference between us. So, like, uh, no no jacket could have been borrowed. And uh, I don't think he had a brawly handy. So I learned a lesson the hard way. Well, let's uh, let's put the world to right then and record this week's podcast for the listeners. I think... This week is, we can cover a slightly controversial topic here. Um, I'll introduce it and then we can uh, go from here. So guys and girls, this is um, when, <laughs> this is the Dave and Callum Fitness Podcast, episode nine. We're fairly flying through these. And the title is Exercise Pretty Much Sucks for the Purpose of Fat Loss. Now, a few of you probably thinking, holy shit, where am I going wrong? <laughs> because <laughs> I need to exercise to lose fat but understand this you don't exercise can burn a lot of calories but when you're doing events like crossfit games or um, ultra endurance events or things like that yes you're going to burn loads of calories but in general day-to-day workouts they're not going to burn that many are they dave they're definitely not um it's something that both you and I see on a fairly regular basis with new clients. It's the idea that they have to be doing something purely for the calorie burn yep. um, in the gym. Um, and we can get on to neat later, but purely in terms of structured exercise, um, it's it's one of the myths that we kind of work quite hard with clients to to break get them away from thinking about the calorie cost of exercise and thinking about all of the other benefits that come along with that and then looking at fat loss from another direction so nutrition behavior change stress management all of that sort of stuff um and it can be a bit of an uphill battle sometimes um because i think i don't even know where it started from but probably like magazines and stuff it's like you know torch a thousand calories in this workout all that sort of stuff and you just don't or at least if you did you can't do it daily or a couple of times a week it's 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 a one-off beast of a workout that leaves you floored for a few days um but it's not something that you should be focusing on as a training outcome um so yeah it's definitely um those those intense bouts of exercise are definitely not sustainable over a long period of time. Um, I agree that they can be done. You know, everybody to a certain degree can push themselves to half marathon, marathon, Ironman, half Ironman, 10K, where you do build up, you know, a fair amount of cal- calorific burn um, and expenditure. But if you're just going out for, you know, 20 minutes on a treadmill at, I don't know, level five six seven you know where you're gonna only burn probably 200 calories 
And, yeah. you know, if you put 200 calories into the effort that you've just put in to the equivalent of a snack that you're probably going to eat afterwards, you've written that right off because yeah. a Mars bar, a Snicker, they've got 200 calories in it. So you're going to stand up, run on a treadmill, jog on a treadmill, walk on a treadmill for 20 minutes, burn 200 calories, consume your Snicker afterwards, for example, and then be right back where you started. Yeah, okay, it's probably going to improve your cardiovascular output in your and your heart health but mm -hmm. if you're trying to lose body fat that's not it's not the best way about doing it and going around it yeah another thing about um like the cardio side of training and calorie burn yes you can burn a ton of calories doing it but how many of us have the time to make that happen because it's not a quick process it's not like you can burn 300 calories in a hit workout that lasts five minutes it's you burn that 300 calories in a half hour jog or you know something like that so we're talking about time efficiency as well um so yeah so as far as workouts are concerned what do you focus on with clients in terms of training outcomes in terms of session outcomes well, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of clients to begin with, especially when they're they're new to the academy, would come in and go, "I've I'm not sweating enough, or that workout wasn't intense enough. I don't feel I've gained anything from it." I um I try and kind of come around, you know, kind of, you know, flank them a little bit with this by saying, just just because you've not exercised the way you've used to exercise, where you're purely doing it for calorie burn or to sweat, you've actually gained more by relieving kind of stress factors or you're also improving your body composition and the strength and the power and the hypertrophy of the muscles and focusing more on what we do outside the gym rather than what we do inside the gym because you know everybody's heard that you know your gym session it doesn't historically people stick to the hour it has to be an hour but you can get an adequate more than adequate enough workout done in 30 minutes Mm -hmm. But people think, you know, I have to stick to this hour. I have to sweat. I have to do that. You don't have to. If you have the time to, yep, fair enough. Mm -hmm. But the gym session, regardless of what you do, is only going to be 30 minutes or an hour of 24 hours. So if your primary goal is to lose body weight and to lose body fat, that one hour is not going to be of benefit, really. It's what you do for the remaining 23 of that day. So mm -hmm. whilst... I'll navigate them saying when you're losing body fat, when you're wanting to lose body fat, yes, we need to ensure that your protein's high, your calories are in a deficit. But when you do lose that body fat, you have that toned physique underneath that fat that you want to show off, which is ultimately what people want. They want to look toned. And the only way they're going to get that is by maintaining a strength resistance program that's going to allow them to do so. Because if they're just running or if they're just... Um, doing cardio to tone up then you're going to have that appearance of like an empty sack of potatoes because there's nothing in it you know it's just skin and just nothing defining about it so complementing their workout with strength and resistance training is definitely going to help if that answers the question that you asked i don't know i kind of went off a tangent there but uh yeah, yeah. um I definitely, I definitely do try and say to them regardless it's this session alone will not do what you're wanting it to do 
but over a period of time, all these sessions together will add up and give you the ultimate result that you're wanting. Yeah. So I guess what I was looking for was, are you looking to build muscle? Are you looking to build strength? But you kind of answered that in a roundabout way in that the outcome, long-term training outcome is to build a toned, which I hate the word toned, but yeah. a toned physique that has yeah. the shape that you want it to. And it's, it's not the training that reveals that, it's what builds that shape. Mm -hmm. But if you have to look at nutrition, stress, sleep, hydration, all that sort of stuff, in order to show it off, which is what people are actually asking for when they say they want fat loss. Yeah, I mean, I've got this. I've got this quote, um, kind of paraphrased um, on my screen here, and um, it basically goes along the line of, you know, it's fat loss. It's kind of the inspiration of where we got this title from. But the the best thing um, a coach could do or a PT could do for a client who's wanting to lose kind of that stubborn body fat is to put them on a treadmill for an, at a, for an hour at a pace that's going to help benefit their, their heart function and strengthen their heart whilst beating into their head the benefit of energy restriction and adherence because that's ultimately what works for fat loss. Yeah, yeah. I think The treadmill yeah. itself doesn't. Sorry? The treadmill itself doesn't. No. But it's the, it's the nutrition. People need to grasp the fact that it's the nutrition that is going to be the ultimate reward for this. Yes. Yeah. It, um, yeah. The, I mean, training, I, I always say to clients, there's no such thing as a fat loss workout. Yeah, I agree. Burn calories doing a workout, but there's always some other kind of physical payoff that is what you're actually gaining, whether that is strength, whether that's building muscle, whether that's building cardio fitness, or all three. That's what training gives you. It's not about the calories burned. It's it's has the, it's a tool for burning calories, but I think if you look at the, the numbers, you know, you've got your basic metabolic rate takes 50% of your daily calorie intake, something like that. Mm -hmm. Your NEAT takes another 30%, say. I'm going to have to make sure I get the numbers right in my head here. Um, your thermic effective food is maybe 10%, which if I have counted correctly... That maintains it? About 10%. Yeah, it'll give you 10% left, yeah. 10% left for, for structured exercise. But that... If you look at it over a week, if you only train three times a week, you can cut that 10% into 5%. So 5% of your weekly calorie output usage goes through structured exercise. It's a tiny amount. If you're on 2,000 calories a day, it's uh, like an average of about 200 calories per day. It's, yeah. it's, it's negligible. In fact, it's probably less than that on average. Um, so from a calorie burn standpoint, it's, it's basically worthless. So instead, what Calum and I, and I do is try to focus on building strength, building some muscle mass, which everybody needs. I saw a great quote, actually, and I forget who it was. I'm terrible for remembering the quote and then forgetting the person. Um, Spencer Nadolsky, do you follow him on 
on mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. He, he had a quote up something along the lines of, most people don't have too much body fat. They have too little muscle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you maintain the amount of body fat you have, but increased your muscle mass by 5%, you've just changed your body fat percentage, and I can guarantee you you've changed your physique. Yeah. Um, so focusing on building strength, building muscle mass, improving cardio fitness should be the aim of your training sessions. Um, and for fat loss, we're going to talk about neat. We're going to talk about stress. We're going to talk about calories. So, yeah, I think, you know, as well, it's about behavioral change too. <clears throat> yeah. Because, you know, a very, so yeah, while sleep, while stress, while sleep, all has a direct and positive impact on the overall number of calories and other benefits it has. Your behavior over the course of the day around certain elements of your lifestyle will Mm -hmm. have a far bigger picture to play as well. If you're stressed, you're going to probably resort to food, right? Most Mm -hmm. people seem to, chocolates, et cetera. But say if you're just to kind of eliminate all that completely, and you woke up and you had a completely stress-free sleep. You had a great sleep. Everything's optimal. Everything's absolutely perfect. You're the perfect person who you could be for this day, right? Mm-hmm. So your automatic go-to is, I don't know, say, say everybody's eating a bowl of porridge. The bowl of porridge is going to be fine. That's, that's all good. Mm-hmm. One person may put on a handful of raisins. Mm-hmm. One person may put on the equivalent handful of raspberries. Mm-hmm. Both are just doing their behavior. Both are just doing what they do best. But the person who's put on the more raisins or the same amount of raisins has consumed more calories than the person who has put on a handful of raspberries. Mm-hmm. So it's even understanding what you're putting onto your food and into your food has been has a direct impact as well. Yeah, yeah. It's I think a lot of times it comes down to uh, sort of portion control and kind of have building a more complete nutritional view of what you're eating. Like the number of times I've had clients who who, who start a food log or start tracking calories, um, however we choose to kind of work that, when they realize like, oh my God, that's how many calories are in that sandwich that I had at lunchtime or in, in my breakfast. I thought it was a really healthy breakfast and it might be a healthy breakfast, mm-hmm. but the portion size is way more than the, the recommended amount for whatever they're making. Um, and it's building that kind of awareness, kind of calorie awareness around the foods that they eat. So they've got a better grasp on that. And, and quite often, it's not even changing the foods that they eat. No. It's changing the amounts of food that you eat and and how you kind of build your meals out across a day and a week and longer. I think it's 100% that it's, it's, there's so much emphasis on kind of tracking calories and ensuring that we're, you know, in a calorie deficit and whatnot. But ultimately, if you go back to, you know, a generation, right. Mm -hmm. And 
you could only eat what was provided. You could only eat what you could afford, what was in the house, what was in the cupboards. You didn't have the same amount of access to fast foods, ready meals, etc. So you could only eat what you had. Yeah. The majority of people who were overweight then are less than what they are now because we have more access to things. Yeah. Yeah. But back in the day, they're maybe feeding a generation or maybe feeding a family of five, six, or seven. So you could only physically eat what was in front of you. Mm. Portion controlled due to financial situations. Yeah. Right? And food availability, I guess, as well. And food availability, yeah, totally. And um, Whereas now, you can quite easily, you know, eat out every single meal of the day, yeah. snack at all opportunities, and not really be financially crippled by it. No. No. And if you really wanted to, you could just lie on your sofa and order whatever and it comes to your door. So you don't even have to make the effort to go and get it. Yeah. So this is so, where the conversation about fat gain and body composition stuff becomes much more complex, right? It's we've we've not only got access to significantly higher quantities of hyper palatable, super processed foods that we didn't have even 30 years ago yeah we can get them delivered we're more sedentary we're more um the the ease of access is so much higher that we have to be a bit more aware of what we're eating and how much we're eating of it um Mm -hmm. because none of these foods are inherently bad no which is an important point to put across to people it's like there are there are no banned foods but we just have to build a better awareness of how we integrate them into a more balanced approach yeah absolutely Uh, just like i mean i like cinnamon buns i like marshmallows i like you know whatever i like to eat out um i'm not going to deprive myself of that but i am going to be a little bit smarter about how i do it in terms of what the overall picture looks like and that can be a a big learning curve for a lot of people yeah rather than having your four marshmallows on top of your hot chocolate, you could have two marshmallows on top of your hot chocolate. You still yeah. get the benefits, still get the, the, the sweetness and the craving that you're after, but you're instantly cutting down your portion size, which is going to benefit you in the long run. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So thinking about the calories in, calories outside of things, um, yeah. in terms of nutrition, all that sort of stuff, what tips do you have for clients or for people listening that can help them with that like we have covered this stuff in previous episodes but i think it's always worth repeating this stuff um to help people kind of get to grips with it and and kind of via different kind of context and stuff so the question the question you're basically asking is what tips do i have for people to balance their calories or burn calories yeah or to kind of build a better awareness around what they're eating and and kind of build out meals in a slightly better way okay um i think to begin with the very very beginning would be to purely write down without downloading any apps or any complicated messages just purely taking a bit of bit of paper and a pen and writing down what you eat throughout the day not even interested in numbers grams or anything along those lines just purely becoming aware of what you're eating and then 
working more on the behavior side of things, highlighting within what you've eaten in that day, what's a meal and what's a snack. Mm -hmm. Then within that, what's, what, do, what does that individual perceive as a good snack or a bad snack in their opinion? Mm -hmm. And then once we have that kind of, kind of semi-quantifiable data from the individual, then they'll go into kind of how there's, just like we discussed, there's no good food, there's no bad food. Mm -hmm. Food is emotionless. We attach the emotion to it, mm -hmm. depending on our situation. We'll go into that and go into, okay, so if you had, in your opinion, this bad food, how much of, how many biscuits did you have? For example, I had four. Okay, why did you have four? Could you narrow that down to two? Mm -hmm. And it's just making these small changes in their initial behaviors towards eating kind of that highly palatable confectionery food items. So that's from a behavioral change point that I'll look into with certain individuals who I feel are, who have also said to me that calorie tracking is so far from where they are right now, mm -hmm. based on any kind of um, issues with tracking in the past through to kind of health issues with that. If it's just somebody who's got no issues whatsoever, then yeah, fine. Let's let's go on to full tracking mode and let's just purely get let's get straight into the nitty gritty and how how many calories are you consuming before before we even sit down and calculate, you know, your surplus, your maintenance, your deficit, or anything along those lines. Just purely let's just figure out and get a base. Yeah. Once we have that, then then we can start manipulating and adding in and looking for little substitutions here and there, and you know, occasionally looking for. Um, food avoidance is like okay do you do you really need this in the middle of the afternoon mm -hmm. yes or no or could that be more is that more of a a boredom or is that more of a hydration issue rather mm -hmm. than a food issue so it's not i don't think it's necessarily you know black or white it's very much dependent on the individual and i would always no matter who they are get them to look back. Everybody's got a smartphone. Get them to look back on the average number of steps that they've done over the previous week before they got in touch with me before coming becoming a client and the previous month mm -hmm. and instantly getting them to up it. To it doesn't have to be a massive jump either, does it, right? It's just a, no, a little step all. up. Not at all. I mean, if you if you inherently are doing roughly a thousand steps a day, which to be fair is not unheard of, you know, no. people will physically do that. Um, I'm not going to say, okay, you've done a thousand. Let's um, let's get your ten thousand steps in, which again is an arbitrary number. Yep. But let's um, let's up it to four thousand. Do you think that's possible? And then they'll come back and say yes or no. And if it's no, then we try and factor that into their day with a morning commute, a lunchtime walk, and a slightly longer evening commute, even though it's just working from home. But as soon as they incorporate these behavioral changes within their day they're going to notice a couple of things happen and yeah, they're going to notice more movement. They're going to probably be a little bit tired. So they're going to be able to sleep better in the evening, which is going to manage their stress levels because they're out in the afternoon and not spending as much time at the computer. They're mm -hmm. detaching themselves from work and the four offices of the walls. I mean, there's so many benefits to this and it's just as simple as getting yourself out of the house and going for a walk. Mm -hmm. So yeah. behavioral change with um, food and daily activity is basically the fundamental of what I do when a new client comes, comes into the academy. Yeah.
Um, my approach is, is very similar. Like you've got to establish a baseline. You've got to establish where you are before you can start to make a change because you know, a change that you're trying to make without any kind of reference point might be too big or too way too way beyond where you are right now. Um, one of the other things that I have some clients look at is when they are snacking kind of mid-afternoon, mid-morning, if it's something that they habitually have with breakfast or you know, on a commute or whatever, is if that is a habit, what are the cues that set that habit up? Is it that you walk past your favorite bakery on the way to work every morning and you can't help but go in and grab something? Is it that when the time hits three o'clock, you've built up this habit that at three o'clock you have to go and get a cup of tea and a cake? Like, what, are, what, what is the environment or the, the cue that is setting up the habit? And can we change it anyway? Can we change the direction of the route to work? Can we have um, an alternative snack at three o'clock? You know, things like that, that kind of, it's, it's again, it's building more awareness around not only what they eat, but why they're eating it and when they're eating it. Yeah. And then looking for those small changes. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a great point. So if you're listening to this and you are looking to make some of these changes, first thing that either of us would have you do is keep track somehow, whether that's with, piece of paper and a pen, whether that is a tracking app, whether that is a notes file on your folder, what are you eating? How much are you eating? Are you, what are you, how do you rate your hunger before and after? Like, are you actually hungry before you have this meal or snack? Or is it a habit? Build up a couple of weeks worth of data and then look back on it and look for where you can make tiny little changes to begin with. And honestly, yeah. the smaller the changes that you make, I think the, the, the better it's going to be. Um, I think quite often people want to make these grand, massive changes. And that can work for some people sometimes, but more often than not, small changes stacked up over a long period of time is what's going to get you the win. Um, yeah. But gather data, like however you feel most comfortable doing it, build, build a picture of where you are right now and then compare that to where you, you want to be and then look for tiny little changes that you can kind of start to bridge the gap with. Um, so, yeah. So. Uh, people, sorry to jump in here. I think a lot of people, as, as you were saying, look for these kind of grand changes. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it's so elementary. It's so basic that it's human instinct to overshoot it thinking yeah. it can't be that easy. It can't be that straightforward. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy because there's a lot of kind of psychological and behavioral changes that need to need to happen and habitual changes that need to get broken and changed up and your routines getting built. That's, that's the hard part. But in essence, actual fat loss on a fundamental level is extremely easy. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, no, no, it's, no, it's the no, difference between simple and easy. Yeah, but it's it's everything that comes in our way. It's the life that we live at present mm -hmm. that makes it difficult. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not sitting here saying that it's an that it's an easy 
process because it's not. Otherwise, there would be no need for online coaches, PTs, nutritionists, psychologists, etc. Yeah. But on a very kind of the ethos, the, the basic is it's simple. It's simple. Yeah. We need to figure out a way and how to make our lifestyles accommodate what our ultimate ambition is. Yeah. And I think that's that's the issue a lot of people come up against is one of two things either they're not willing to change anything that they're currently doing in order to see change or they want a short-term balls to the wall fix that they can do for a short period of time and then quote unquote go back to normal like yeah there is no going back to normal you're creating a new normal because if you go back to normal you're going back to the way you were before and you're going to get the same result as you had before you have to yeah. build a new, that's not a new reality, that is a new reality. It's, it's, you have to build the new normal that is going to, first of all, get you the result that you want. And second of all, allow you to keep it and, and maintain the progress and build on that progress long term. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the difference between simple and easy. Like the steps are simple. Eat less calories than you need. Make sure you get enough protein train for whatever physical capacity you're trying to develop mm-hmm. move a little bit more sleep better there's a win but it's not an easy process to put into place that's why you have to make the changes as small as possible exactly i mean if you're to say, if you're to say like if i was to say to you when everybody you've spoken about your um, daughter before in these podcasts but if i was to say to you you being a new dad babe you have to get to bed at 10 p.m., get a full eight hours sleep and wake up at 7 p.m. with a three years ago when your daughter was born, you would turn around to me and said, that is ridiculous. I can't believe you're trying to tell me this because that doesn't work yeah. with a child, right? Yeah. And it still wouldn't work as the child gets older because the chances of you getting a full eight hours sleep are, are going to be minimal, right? <laughs> Definitely. So, um... And that's, and that's, that's a that's an extremely unrealistic change to make within an individual who's a parent with with a kid or two kids. Yeah. Yeah. So what else can we do? Yeah. That's going to help complement their their lifestyle, and it's going to minimise the amount of um, reliant on substances like caffeine to to stay awake. And having the caffeine is fine, but if you're having the caffeine to stay awake, but also it's the gateway to having a muffin with it. Mm. What's more important? Is it the caffeine to stay awake, for example, so you can kind of enjoy your day and enjoy your work? Or is it the muffin? Yeah. If it's the muffin, go for it. Like, have it. I don't care. But if you're having, every time you have a coffee and you're having a muffin, something needs to stop. And it's most yeah. likely that relationship with the, with the muffin and the coffee. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's not just for kind of parents, new parents in this job, in this scenario. It's it's like if you've got a really busy work life, like I've got, I've got clients who work ridiculous hours. Um, you know, if I'm then asking you to do A, B, C, and D on top of your already busy day, it's not going to happen. You're, you're just yeah. going to come around and go. No, I can't, yeah. I can't possibly fit that in. And it's, so it's looking for these kind of small wins 
And like you said previously, um, you often look at these little wins, these little steps as being too simple that they can't possibly have any potential benefit. That there has to be a bigger and more complicated answer. Um, because I think subconsciously we think if it's that simple, then we'd already be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're not aware of it, like if you don't have the simple, not the simple awareness, but if you don't have basic awareness of how many calories you're eating, how many steps you're doing, um, how your workouts are built and how you're performing in a workout, if you don't have the basic understanding of where you are right now, then it's easy to overlook these simple steps because you think you, you, you probably think you're already doing them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so starting small, stacking up wins and, and kind of building out a new approach effectively. Definitely. And I know, I know you do this and um, I do it as well, but it's for, for clients and, you know, for the, for the listeners here, there needs to be an incentive. We need to, we like to do things for a sense of achievement, sense of accomplishment. So we need to kind of gamify the process somehow. Sure. So sure. it could be, if I, you know, it could be as basic as it's purely because we're talking about weight, but if I lose half a kilo this week, I will dot, 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 mm. right? If I get my 4,000 steps in, which is three times as many as I've got in the previous few days, every day this week, I will dot, 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 reward myself. Yeah. And, you know, it's by, by gamifying it, by giving yourself a reward for achieving an accomplishment, it gives you that kind of burning desire to go in and continue to make progress. I've got a fantastic client at the moment who had been up and down throughout her life with yo-yo diets, et cetera, et cetera, and has hit 100% of her workouts working with me for the last four months. She's never missed a workout. Amazing. Never missed a workout. It's incredible. Her, her, her adherence to it is fantastic. And that's something that, we, that we've spoken about. And it's just an incredible achievement. And I want people to know about it. I want clients to know about it. And I want my followers to know about it because that's celebrating her. Yeah. Even though she may, she, I know she, I know she thinks it's an incredible feat for her as well, but even if she didn't, I would be big enough up to say, hell yeah, this is great. Even if she was just like, well, I'm just doing what I've been told to do. Mm-hmm. As we play a lot of our, um, being, being British, we play a lot of compliments down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't take on, take it too well, but you know, I think by rewarding yourself, the point in this is to reward yourself throughout, regardless of what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be a big reward, right? It's not like you're going to reward yourself with a cookie necessarily. It's it could be just you know, just a Rolex, an hour to watch your favorite TV show, or yeah. you know, it might be something bigger, like you know, buying yourself new training shoes or or something like that. But having something to help you acknowledge the progress that you've made is I think yeah. it's kind of what we try to say, right? It's, it's, yeah. you have to have something and it might be something as simple as like the, the training app both of us use, you know, gives clients kind of virtual high fives when they get PRs, no matter how small the PR is. And I've got clients who absolutely love that. Like they'll yeah. push themselves that little bit harder in a session just to get that little virtual high five. And in the real world, it means nothing. 
but it's an acknowledgement of their dedication and their progress. Um, and that is that is a, a, a very simple, easy way to get that kind of little reward. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely agree. Cool. Um, I think we've covered quite a lot in that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, I think to kind of sum it up and take away kind of the, the controversial topic of this, um, it's never, it's, it's never as easy as what magazines and influencers make it out to be. There has to be a certain amount of dedication from the individual themselves and the willingness to change. Mm -hmm. Because I've had clients in the past, and I know you've had clients in the past as well, that almost use coaching as a status symbol and, you know, they don't see any results and they, you know, they kind of shift the blame on onto the, the coach and the PT and whatnot. And whilst there is an element of that, ultimately, if the, if the person is not willing to change or has no desire to change, then, you know, they're not going to change. But it has to come from internal. It has to come from that internal belief that you can be better than what you were yesterday. And it's not moving the needle 100% forward in, in one sitting. It's what can I just, how can I be a better person for my friends, for my family, for my kids? Am I, am I yep. doing what I need to do to, to see my grandkids? Am I going to get to 60 and feel like shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to get to 60 and be able to keep up with people? I mean, yeah. keep up with my kids. Like, I think those are the real kind of more deep-rooted questions that need to be asked and answered rather than just saying, oh, I want to lose X amount of weight because, I don't know, society wants me to. Yeah, I think that's where the driver of change has to be thought about by the client and that it can't be because such and such magazine said that at my height, I should weigh this amount of weight or I need to fit into this piece of clothing because it's the current on-trend thing. Like, that's a very superficial goal. And, you know, I think we both had clients who've got, you know, I need to get in shape to go on holiday. It's like, okay, if you get in shape to go on holiday, are you going to enjoy the holiday better? Like, are you going to make better memories? Or is that not going to really make any real real difference? Yeah. It's, it's kind of looking more long-term than that. And, you know, short-term goals are important in terms of body comp and stuff, but there has to be a deeper meaning behind it. Um, so, again, that comes as part of the part of the process as well. It's kind of having that yeah. kind of deep, uh, deeply rooted sense of why you're doing it. And you've said it before, it's the four whys, isn't it? It's, it's what is your goal? Why do you want it? Okay, why is that important? Okay, why is yeah. that important? Okay, why is that important? And then you, you kind of narrow down to what the, the real reason behind the goal is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's um once once you get that sorted and understand that, then everything else just becomes secondary to that. And yeah. you'll do what you need to do to achieve that based exactly. on your life. Exactly. Um cool. Solid. I think we've covered it. We we could have we could have tangent gone off on a tangent there. We could have spoken about anything. This was all all just off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, yeah, that could have easily have spiraled into all sorts of yeah. different directions. Hopefully, 
it just came into my head there. Hopefully it wasn't off the cuff and a load of guff. <laughs> okay, so we're going to end the podcast there. <laughs> I, never, I never was good at rapping. <laughs> uh, it's, it's maybe not a career to fall back on. Nah. No, but you no, know, I didn't watch it. It's all, mm-hmm. uh, it's all a learning process, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cool. Right. But guys, that was that was an awesome podcast. Hope you got a lot of benefit from that, and I hope you um, hope we answered some questions and didn't lead you astray too much with our ramblings. Yeah, and if you do have any questions on any of that stuff, guys, just get in touch. We're more than happy to help. Uh, we can cover it in other podcasts. We can get back to you directly, all that sort of stuff. The links are in the show notes, as always. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. I'm going to go get some lunch before uh, I have a client call at three. So nice. uh, I'm going to do that. Well, enjoy. And I will catch up with you later on in the week. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good couple of days. Take it easy, guys. We'll be back next week. <laughs>